Good morning. As Joe mentioned, I am Steve Qualls, one of the lay elders here at Providence. And for those of you who are members or if you've been attending regularly, you may be wondering how it came to be that I'm standing here this morning instead of Joe or John or Chad. Well, a few weeks ago in an elders meeting, we were sharing with each other just what's been going on in our spiritual lives, kind of a, a group spiritual checkup kind of thing. And during that discussion, I shared with the guys that I had been convicted by the Spirit that I'm addicted to comfort. And what I meant by that is it annoys me when life gets uncomfortable. Not that there's specific things that I expect, but just in general, when life is unpredictable, that annoys me. And so the conviction was that I sometimes tend to look to my circumstances for comfort instead of looking to Christ for comfort, the one who works all circumstances to his purpose. So it was just a great time of sharing with each other, right up until the point that Joe looked at me and said, hey, I think you should preach a sermon on being addicted to comfort. How about Sunday morning, December 29th? So, here we are. We're going to be looking at Philippians 4, verses 4 through 13 this morning. If you don't have a Bible with you, you can grab one of the seatback Bibles in front of you and turn to page 982. If you don't own a Bible, feel free to take one of those seatback Bibles with you. Uh, we have plenty. So the title of the sermon this morning is, From Whence Does Thy Comfort Come? A desire for comfort isn't necessarily wrong. But where we look for comfort very often is. So where do you look for ultimate comfort? From whence does thy comfort come? Now we're in church, so of course the church answer is Jesus, right? If you don't know the answer to a church question, just say Jesus and most of the time you're going to be right. So the answer is Jesus, but if you're just having this conversation with yourself, nobody else is here, it's just you and your thoughts, how would you really answer that question? From whence does thy comfort come? There's any number of ways you can answer, but all of those answers other than Jesus probably have something in common. They're probably rooted in this world, probably rooted in your daily life. So those sorts of things, we refer to them as temporal Temporal has the same root as temporary. So we use the term temporal to refer to worldly things because worldly things are not eternal. They come to an end. That doesn't necessarily mean they are sinful things, although they may very well be. But it does mean they are not reliable. 
So there are really only two answers to the question. Either your comfort is rooted in this world, the temporal, or it is rooted in the eternal, in Christ. Those are really the only two options. What we're going to see in today's scripture passage from Philippians 4 is a contrast between these two things, between temporal comforts and eternal comforts, between seeking comfort in the world and seeking comfort in Christ. As we read this excerpt from Paul's letter to the church in Philippi, we're going to see, first of all, the reality that comfort in this world is an illusion. It's a mirage. It doesn't really exist. It's very fleeting. In fact, what this world does offer, on the whole, is not comfort, but just the opposite, discomfort. And we shouldn't be surprised by this. Actually, discomfort from this world is what we should expect. That should be our expectation. So the first thing we're going to see is what the world offers is discomfort. Secondly, we're going to see that the Lord offers true and lasting comfort, like an anchor in the storm because life many times is just that. It's a storm. Only He can provide comfort that supersedes or transcends all circumstances. So point number two, Christ is our true And then in conclusion, we're going to look at how we are to live in light of the fact that this world brings discomfort, but the Lord is our only true comfort. So before we get into the scripture passage, I'm going to to pray for us. Lord, I pray that you will speak through your word this morning. For those who are hurting, I pray you will bring comfort. I pray that you will use this passage from Philippians to equip us for your purposes. I pray that everyone present will hear your spirit speaking and not my words, which will probably be messed up. Amen. All right, Philippians 4, verses 4 through 13. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. 
Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound in any and every circumstance. I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. So point number one, what the world offers is discomfort. So you may be thinking, yes, we live in a broken world, so discomfort is to be expected living in this world that we live in. But here's the question. Given that we live in a broken world, are you so wrapped up in this world that those temporal discomforts that come along rock your spiritual world? So are you so wrapped up in this temporal world that we live in that when difficulties, discomforts come along, that they rock your spiritual world? Or to put it another way, are you more concerned with obtaining or maintaining temporal comfort than with gaining spiritual growth? Again, are you more concerned with obtaining or maintaining temporal comfort than with gaining spiritual growth? Job 36.15 says, He delivers the afflicted by their affliction and opens their ear by adversity. may be hard to hear. He delivers the afflicted by their affliction and opens their ear by adversity. Looking at the text in Philippians, Paul's expectation for the Philippians was temporal discomfort. And he wanted them to be prepared when it came. Look at verse 6. Do not be anxious about anything. By, that, by telling them to not be anxious about anything, Paul is acknowledging there are things they will have the tendency to be anxious about. Similarly, in verse 7, he tells them, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Why the concern for their hearts and minds to be guarded except for the expectation that there would be circumstances that could corrupt their hearts and minds. Paul himself had faced difficult circumstances. Indeed, he's writing this letter to the Philippians while he's in prison, most likely in Rome, and under threat of death. So Paul knows about difficult circumstances. This circumstance that he finds himself in, being in prison, is not out of the ordinary. By this point in his life, he's been run out of multiple villages. He's been stoned once or twice, shipwrecked, snake-bitten, had other health concerns, been libeled and slandered, and now he continues to be under arrest, which has been ongoing for a number of years at this point. Look at verses 11 and 12, what he says. Not that I am speaking of being in need. For I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, 
and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. So from firsthand experience, Paul knew that temporal discomfort should be expected. God wanted the Philippians to understand this, and he wants you and me to understand it as well. When we expect otherwise, we are going to be frustrated. So I inserted an equation into this sermon. So here's the equation. Frustration equals reality plus false expectations. Frustration equals reality plus false expectations. The more in line with reality our expectations are, the less tendency there will be for frustration. And that's just passive expectations. If we take it another step and add effort to our false expectations so that now we aren't just passively expecting life to be comfortable, but are actually trying to create a life of comfort, the frustration goes to a whole new level. Because, surprise, we are not in control. You aren't just frustrated with the life that is happening to you, but you're exasperated that your efforts to avoid discomfort aren't being productive. You're wasting your time chasing comfort, time that God has given us to bring Him glory by focusing on His mission, not on our quest for comfort. So these difficulties in life that we face It's kind of like a Roomba. Not Zumba, that's something different. (laughs) But a Roomba. One of these automated vacuum cleaners. Anybody have one of these? A few of you? Well, my dad bought one for my mom, and I helped them get it set up a few weeks ago, a couple weeks ago. And the way the Roomba works is it has to run into obstacles in order to fulfill its mission. Okay? It runs into a wall and it diverts a little, or sometimes it diverts a lot. And so as a result of running into things, it crisscrosses the room until eventually it vacuums every square inch of the room. Right? It has to run into obstacles in order to fulfill its mission of cleaning the room. Listen. God accomplished what he did in Paul through all the discomforts that Paul faced. Paul understood this and he knew God would work the same way through the Philippians and God does the same thing in you and me today. So the bad news is that this world ultimately does not offer comfort And the more we seek comfort there, the more frustrated and exasperated we will be. However, the good news is the Lord works in and through all of our circumstances, difficult or not, 
And what the Lord offers in the midst of all of those circumstances is true comfort. Comfort that supersedes or transcends all temporal circumstances. So point number two, what the Lord offers is true comfort. How? How is the Lord our true comfort? Look at verse 7. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. For many years, that verse has been like a cool drink of water on a hot, dry day for me. Think about it. The peace of God. How does the peace of God differ from regular old peace? Because regular old peace is pretty good, right? Regular old peace is the opposite of war. It's the opposite of contention, of strife, of brokenness. That's regular old peace. Listen, if regular old peace is good, try to imagine peace that is beyond all understanding. Peace that is so invasive you can't separate it from the circumstance or explain it. It's just there. That's exciting. That's the peace of God. C.S. Lewis puts it this way, and you've heard this quote before from this pulpit. It's a good quote. It would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. Don't forsake the peace of God which surpasses all understanding chasing after perceived but false comforts of this world. Whatever worldly comfort you and I have to sacrifice or deny ourselves to stay planted in and focused on the work of God, that sacrifice is worth it. Every time, every day. But that's not all. In addition to peace beyond understanding, he is also our strength. Look at verse 13. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. So what kind of strength does God have? If the peace of God is beyond understanding, try to just start to imagine what the strength of God is like. This is the God who created all that we see, hear, feel, smell, taste, and all the other stuff that we don't even know exists yet. This is the God who can and does work all things over all time to His purposes. And Paul tells us that this very God is the one who strengthens me and you. Whatever God wills for you to do, He gives you the strength to do it. Rest in that. 
take comfort in that. We can look at example after example from Genesis to Revelation of God strengthening weak and more often than not seemingly insignificant people to do what He has willed for them to do. But the bottom line is you and I have a choice to make. Are you going to take comfort in the creation or the creator? Are you going to fool about with drink and sex and ambition like an ignorant child playing in the mud or are you going to rest at the sea of God's peace and strength? The choice is ours. So given that what this world ultimately offers is discomfort and that the Lord is our true comfort, what do we do with that? How are we to respond? How are we to live this life? Paul is clear in his expectation of what this broken world has to offer. Yet this broken world is what we live in. Paul gives the Philippians some navigation guidance and it's profitable for us as well. Look back at verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Paul's instruction is to rejoice in the Lord. Not sometimes, but always. And in case we missed it the first time, he says, again, I will say rejoice. How can we do that? How can we rejoice Always. Well, this rejoicing that Paul's referring to is not rejoicing in our circumstances. It's rejoicing in the Lord. Circumstances change. The Lord does not. Certainly, we can sometimes rejoice in our circumstances, but even then, the rejoicing should be in the Lord's providing not in what is provided. Similarly, Paul put it this way in 1 Thessalonians 5. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances. James says in James 1 verse 2, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. So not only do we have a basis for rejoicing always, but also for giving thanks in all circumstances and having joy in the midst of trials. Now some of you are thinking, yeah, that's all well and good. But Paul and James didn't know what I'm dealing with. And I don't know what each of you are dealing with either. Sorry, it's been a rough week for some of the families in our church. Look, I don't know what each of you are dealing with either, but I know some are dealing with cancer. Some are dealing with other debilitating health issues that makes every day a mountain to climb. (laughs) 
Some of you are having to watch your children suffer because of decisions they're making or have made. Some of you are watching your children suffer not because of anything they did, but just because this is an unjust world. Some of you are struggling financially or professionally. Some of you are having to make major life changes because you have aging parents that need your help. Some of you have lost someone near and dear to you, even just this week. So hear me, that the point here is not to in any way trivialize those circumstances of life. Terrible, unspeakable circumstances are sometimes faced. Paul and James knew that. They knew it all too well. The point is not to downplay or gloss over our circumstances, but to see the redeeming work of Christ for what it truly is. It's greater than any, even the most terrible of circumstances that we face. As we start to see Christ overshadow even our greatest trials, we approach life differently. Verse 5 says, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. Anybody ever been accused of being unreasonable? I didn't mean for you to raise your hands, but thanks for being honest. (laughs) Mankind has such a reputation of unreasonableness, or as we say in Jamestown, orneriness, that anytime somebody is consistently reasonable, that gets people's attention, doesn't it? Paul is exhorting the Philippians to be countercultural, to be known for their reasonableness instead of being unreasonable like everybody else. Look at the last part of verse 5 and verse 6. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Anything and everything. God is our peace and strength. As a result, there is no basis for worry about anything. In everything, all circumstances, He calls us to call on Him in prayer with thanksgiving. Listen, this this isn't platitudes. Paul is saying that no matter the circumstance, even when everything has come undone. Have you ever been there? That things get so bad, it's just like life has come undone. Even when everything has come undone, we still have what Christ has done on our behalf. In the cross, we always have a basis for thanksgiving. What else are we to do? Look at verse 8. 
Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Paul tells us to focus on the heavenly things. But how do we know what is honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, excellent, and worthy of praise? God is those things. And through His Word, He shows Himself to us. When we study God's Word, we learn how to recognize these things. And when we recognize these things around us, what we're recognizing is God's hand at work. If something is honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, excellent, or worthy of praise, then it is a reflection of God. And that's what should get our attention. Those are the things on which we should dwell. Paul also commands the Philippians for their concern for him. In the first part of verse 10 He says, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. So we should be concerned for each other. Self-centeredness and worldliness go hand in hand. Paul is rejoicing here at the Philippians' concern for him. Instead of just being worried about themselves, they're concerned for him as well. Now the way he phrases this Rejoicing, it appears that there may have been a time when the Philippians didn't appear to be concerned for him. We don't know, but it may be that after he left Philippi, that their focus gradually shifted away from Christ, the peace and the strength of the Lord, such that they were caught up in the things of the world and therefore weren't concerned about Paul and what was going on with him. So here in verse 10, Paul is rejoicing because their concern is an indicator that they are looking beyond themselves. They have concern for someone else. They have concern for him. So we should be concerned for each other. Another way we respond when we recognize that our true comfort is in the Lord is contentment. Verses 11 and 12, Paul writes, not that I am speaking of being in need, For I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. When God is our peace and our strength, we have the option to be content no matter what the circumstance may be. In fact, Paul says that his life is an example of this principle. He has been low, he has flourished, known plenty, known hunger, abundance, and need. Through these diverse experiences, he has learned that in any and every circumstance, True comfort is resting in the peace and strength of the Lord. 
As the storms of life rage, Paul has learned that the peace and strength of the Lord not only endure, but they overcome. So, from whence does thy comfort come? As we close out another year, take this last Sunday of 2019 and reflect on the highs and lows of the year. Think about God's provision in the lows. His blessing in the highs and that in both, He is there. He reaches into the deepest of despair and offers peace to comfort and strength to endure. Peace that surpasses all understanding and the very strength of God. Have you tasted that kind of comfort? The Bible makes it clear that we were each born enemies of God. And there's nothing that we can do about that. Only Christ could, and He did. He lived the sinless life that I haven't, that you haven't. He died to take the wrath of God for all sin. And He rose from the grave to make that sacrifice effective for all time. So that by faith in Christ, we may go from enemies of God to sons and daughters. If you've been adopted into God's family through faith in Christ, then take God's words to heart. Rejoice. Be known for your reasonableness. Don't be anxious. Focus on heavenly things. Be concerned for each other. Be content in the Lord, not in your circumstances. My life is not about me and your life is not about you. Life is about honoring and glorifying God, the one who created us. I'm not big on New Year's resolutions, but if you look back over 2019 and you see a life focused on the things of this world instead of a life focused on Christ, this is a great opportunity to decide that 2020 is going to look different. If you have never turned to Christ in faith, if you are living life, seeking comfort from this world, how's that working? Are you tired? Are you frustrated? Are you exasperated? Listen, God has a plan for you. You're not sitting here this morning studying Philippians 4 by mistake. God has a plan for you. It's not the plan of a pain-free life. But it's a life of provision, and most importantly, it's a life of purpose. 
of eternal purpose. I would be glad to talk to you if you have questions. Joe's here. John's here. Jeff is down front. Matter of fact, this room is full of people who would be more than happy to answer any questions you might have. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for inspiring Paul to write these words that the Philippians needed to hear and that we need to hear. Thank you that even in the direst of circumstances, you offer peace that surpasses all understanding and your very own strength for us to do what you call us to do. Spirit, move in each of our hearts. Show us truth. When we are living for ourselves and seeking comfort from this world instead of you, convict us. Amen.